You're listening to Music from a Lifetime, a production of Metal Cavern Podcasting. Since the Reformation back in 1984, Deep Purple had continued to release interesting and exciting albums, even through the constant turmoil that seemed to beset the band. After a decade of this, Richie Blackmore finally moved on forever, and the recruitment of Steve Morse as his replacement seemed to settle the band down and the recording of the album Perpendicular seemed to go off without a hitch. The follow-up to this album was released 25 years ago this week. Titled Abandon, it signalled a change in direction for the once frantic and groundbreaking group. And you can hear all about how Deep Purple approached the new millennium on today's episode. Welcome to Season 4 of the podcast that continues to offer you new thoughts on old albums, and an old person's thoughts on new albums, where won't it be nice when everything falls into place, right here on Music from a Lifetime.
Despite the changing landscape of music throughout the 1990s decade, and the fact that the band had now been playing for 30 years, Deep Purple had still found a way to be relevant in the era that they had arrived in, and were still drawing sell-out crowds to their shows around the world. The split with Richie Blackmore had achieved a couple of things. Firstly, the relationship between all of the members of the band settled down to the point that they could all work with each other, without the tension and the bickering that had taken place over the years with the Mark II lineup. And that was clear on their first album together, Perpendicular, where a different sound was incorporated into the album, differing styles that caught some fans unawares, and which was attributed to the new guitarist Steve Morse. And this was the second point of the departure of Blackmore. He had always advocated for remaining in the rock to hard rock spectrum, incorporating melodic song structures more in the way that had been latter-day Rainbow albums. Thus his preference in trying to keep Jolene Turner on vocals after the Slaves and Masters album. Whereas Ian Gillen was trending towards a different type of singing and therefore musical sound. And this is certainly more of the direction that Perpendicular took against, for instance, the previous album to that, The Battle Rages On. Coming into the writing and recording for this new album, Morse was now a core member of the band, and no doubt would have been more comfortable in the writing department. And it was an important album in the history of the band. The late 1990s has has been discussed on many podcast episodes of albums released in this era, was a turbulent melting pot of changes in the hard rock and metal genre. And for a classic band such as Deep Purple, the trappings had to be negotiated as well. Finding a way of writing an album that the band loved and wanted to perform, and yet finding a way to keep themselves relevant in the current musical climate, was never going to be an easy task. Baby! 
Reviews over the years have suggested that Abandon is a return to a harder place than what the band produced for Perpendicular. Overall, I tend to disagree with that. For me, this album has been the transition that the band truly wanted to make after the removal of Blackmore from the band. The transition to a more conservative, groove-orientated band rather than the bastions of the wild and crazy days of hard rock from the early 1970s. The opening of Any Fool Know That into Almost Human works well enough for those that have followed the course of the past few albums. And Seventh Heaven has some nice guitar pieces woven into the framework of the song that overall does appear like it is trying to find where it sits in the world. While watching the sky moves between the thoughtful and the hardcore throughout the song. Don't Make Me Happy is a very bluesy, almost lounge club act-like song. That first taste of what is to come. Fingers to the Bone is the template for me as to where Deep Purple were heading with this album and the way they wanted to sound in the future. It's a very easy listening type song, which Gillan sings well and the band plays well, but with zero ferocity or true type of instruments. Lord's organ is in piano tinkling mode. Pace's drumming stays in neutral. Morse and Glover are barely present. And you can add a few more songs like that into this category. Jack Ruby is, like Don't Make Me Happy, more a lounge club act song in a seedy blues club in a basement somewhere. She was, and what's her name, travel along the same slow tempo, easy listening path the fingers to the bone takes. The end of the album does brighten up proceedings. 69 brings us back to the tempo that we know from Deep Purple in their modern era, a more enjoyable mix of pace and energy from Gillan's vocals, as well as dueling solos from Lord and Morse, that finally allows us to feel comfortable in the band again. Evil Louie isn't quite the same energy output but does have a nice Morse guitar piece to showcase what can actually do as a part from what he mainly showcases on this album. And just to prove that the band seem to be making a course change in their music, but still want to retain their older fan base, there is a reworking of the song, song sorry, Bloodsucker that originally appeared on Deep Purple in Rock as the final track. 
And yet, all it proves is that Ian Gillen cannot and doesn't try to hit those notes that he did 25 years previously. And that the original is not only a brilliant track, but a difficult one to re-examine. It's 
Deep Purple toured Australia for the first time since the Mark II reunion tour back in 1984 on this album. On that tour, I was lucky enough to see them twice. Firstly at the Sydney Entertainment Centre, and then for a secret gig that they did at Selena's on Anzac Day, which was just amazingly awesome. They even played a tweaked and extended set list at that gig at Selena's. And being the smaller venue, and being able to be right up close to this amazing band doing their thing, it really was an amazing experience. On this tour, they played only three songs from this album in their set list. Almost Human, Watching the Sky, and at the secret gig, they played Seventh Heaven in the encore. Well, they played Bloodsucker as well, but you can't really count that, can you? And given the back catalogue of material that the band has, and that they are expected to play every night, you can understand why there are only a couple of their newest songs from their latest album. But in some ways, it also highlighted the difference in the material from this album to what most people wanted to hear. I had a copy of this album prior to seeing them in concert, and to be honest, it just hadn't grabbed me at the time. A few listens in, and I was already turning back to Perfect Strangers and The House of Blue Light and Slaves and Masters. And for me, it was the first indications that the band was looking to become less raucous, less heavy, less loud, and to create a different spectrum to reside in. And I couldn't begrudge them that. And in the albums that have come since, more of that has been obvious. And those albums I still like, as I do this album. But it is a very much a different band from the one that had been around until 1976. And then again from 1984 onwards. This album for me is where the metamorphosis began in earnest. To a sound that suited the slowly greying members of the band. It also signalled the final album that founding member John Lord played on before he moved in to another direction in 2001. The changes were continuing for Deep Purple, and this album was just the beginning.
Thanks once again for dropping by and making it to the end of another episode of my Music Remembrance podcast, Music from a Lifetime. Long-time listeners will know of my love of music, and this podcast allows me to share some of that passion for an old album, in the hope that I can either introduce you to a brilliant album from the past, or remind you of how brilliant an album is, so that you can catch up with it in your own time. Of course, there are also those albums that might only be average, or absolute rubbish. Whichever one of those descriptions fits for you about Abandon, which is, of course, how it's supposed to be pronounced, Abandon Tour, I hope that you have at least enjoyed the journey today. And as always, remember the motto of this podcast. Listening to music can improve a crap day or make a good day even better. Cheers once again for sticking around to the end, and I hope you come back and check out the next episode of Music from a Lifetime. Music from a Lifetime is recorded in Metal Cavern Studios. You can find Music from a Lifetime podcast on Facebook and Instagram and the blog at westkiamametal.blogspot.com.